Welcome to CouncilCast, a podcast from Coalfield Development where we highlight moments from our monthly gathering, Coalfield Council Day. It's a time for reflection, team building, and celebrating the personal and professional developments of our crew members. This is Season 2, Episode 7, highlighting our Council Day on Friday, July 28th, 2023. To start off our July Council Day, Kelly Crabtree, Chief Human Development Officer, welcomed us into the space and asked us to name some personal celebrations and milestones. I'm Kelly. I think there's some people I haven't got to meet yet. So I'm glad to see your faces here. And I want to start off with Council Day, how we normally do. So if anyone wants to kind of name something that they want to welcome into the space, because it's a safe space, I'd love for you to just yell that out. Love. Life. AC. AC. Air conditioning. This month, our crew members celebrated several different personal milestones, including a pregnancy announcement, moving into new apartments, and promotions. Starting Council Day by celebrating these significant events in our crew members' lives always sets the stage for a great day. So we all are bringing things, whether we've said them out loud or not. And so um, this is a safe space to just hold those things. We're going to we'll go ahead and do um, the hats to introduce our new hires. We then moved on to celebrating our newest crew members. Kelly handed out brown hats to the following crew members. Laura Fields, a RAPS trainee with High Wall Construction. Zachary Watts, a RAPS trainee with Fort Gay Construction. Sterling Johnson, a RAPS trainee with West Edge Construction. Lily Bannon, a RAPS trainee with Mountain Mindful Apparel. And Gary Sizemore, a RAPS trainee with West Edge Deconstruction. Shelly Keeney, the new Regional Food Coordinator for Refresh Appalachia. And Corey Brown, Assistant Crew Chief for Charleston Deconstruction, received blue hats as well. During this council day, we also had an extra special hat ceremony. Stephen Spry, High Wall crew member, was honored by receiving a green hat. So the green hat distinction is something that our crew chief, that our crew members are eligible for, and it is a a distinction in which our crew members, a, a crew member on a crew or multiple, have um, really demonstrated leadership qualities and have grown into those. Right, so it's been a and um, it's been an ongoing growth um, effort that um, our crew members um, have have experienced and um, their peers have noticed it. Their crew chiefs have noticed it. And Stephen Spry is one of those. So he has just recently earned his green hat. Um, so I get the honor of um, reading this um, green hat ceremony reading to you. Stephen, you have earned the honor of becoming a green hat. This is signified by the doning of a green hat. Green is the color of go, symbolizing forward momentum. Indeed, you are on this day advancing personally and professionally. Green is also the color of sustainability. By cultivating your skills as an emerging leader, our region can become a more sustainable, vibrant, healthy place. You have received this honor because you have earned the respect of your peers and your supervisors. To keep this distinction, you must keep this respect. Should you fail to do so, the green hat can be and will be revoked. In giving you this responsibility, Coalfield is placing great trust in you. 
You have earned our trust by living our values. Trust is earned by doing the right thing, especially when your supervisors aren't looking. Trust is the grease that churns the gears of Coalfield development. Without trust, everything falls apart. Above all else, keep committed to the values and keep the trust of your teammates as your highest priority. As a leader, you must do more than simply show up and work hard. Now you have the responsibility to help plan and offer vision for your crew. Your leadership will have more of an impact on your crew than the CEO of this organization because you'll have the daily contact with your crew. John Maxwell writes, most people fail to recognize the value of leadership. They believe that leadership is only for a few, for the people at the top of the corporate ladder. They have no idea of the opportunities they're passing up when they don't learn to lead. And so becoming a green hat is a big responsibility and it's also a big opportunity, an opportunity to move closer to your full potential, power and purpose in life. As you grow into a leader, consider a few distinctions. A leader initiates, a follower reacts. A leader reaches out and picks up the phone to make contact. Followers wait to be contacted, wait for the phone to ring. Leaders spend time planning and anticipate problems. Followers spend time living day to day, reacting to problems. Leaders invest time with people. Followers spend time with people. And leaders fill the calendar by priorities, while followers fill the calendar by requests. So congratulations on this achievement. We're so proud of you and we believe in you. Okay, I'd like to ask you now to turn that over, lay it down on, on the table. Next, Kirk Judd, local poet, joined us for a poetry workshop. Kirk helped us find our unique voices like through poetry. Was documentation of the poem. What you're about to hear is the poem. Uh, I wrote this several years ago uh, up in Pocahontas County. I do a lot of wandering around up there, trout fishing and backpacking and and I used to cross country ski and mountain bike and do all that stuff. And now I just kind of wander around a little bit, but I do still get out and hike. And, and I got out and saw this uh, and wrote this poem about it. It's titled Communion, Barred Owls Under Bridges Knob. The tree knows the owls, understands their form and shape in its limbs recognizes an absence of absence when they're there, but doesn't expect them now in this slant of ochre light slipping through the thinning canopy on the west side of the mountain an hour before dusk. Nevertheless, they've come moved by my movement on this abandoned hall road. They settle side by side in the familiar ash, an old couple on a park bench. They turn to each other, press their foreheads together in some ritual of expression, some eloquence of owlness, a language I almost remember. One turns towards me, the other away. I simply stand in the road, aware, well, I'm in this conversation, but unaware of how to speak, how to join in. Slowly, I raise a hand. One continues to stare, the other turns to look. Just as slowly, I lower it and reluctantly move on so as not to worry them. A little farther up the trail, I suddenly know they weren't worried, nor was the tree, nor the light, nor the mountain. They all merely spoke to me in an owl moment, 
I heeded that small ceremony, witnessed, somehow heard, as I hear now, a slender whispered gratitude that I passed by and did not ask for more. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Cool. Next, Cassidy Riley talked with us about Coalfield's role in reclamation and remediation of old mine sites. Reclamation and remediation. What does that mean to you? What do you what do you get when you think about those words? Strip mines? Okay. Any breathing new life into something. That's perfect. Anybody else? Repurposing materials, absolutely. So a lot of what we do here at Coalfield involves reclamation and remediation, whether it's, you know, what Bailey's doing with the uh, with the Black Diamond facility or things like that. But overall, we, we want to breathe new life into things. We want to see things become successful in our communities. Why do you think that reclamation and remediation is important for a community? There are no wrong answers. No wrong answers here. To stop resources from leaving, okay. Preserve history. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the, the big focuses of what we work on is remediating and reclaiming mine sites. And a lot of these sites end up as what we refer to as moonscapes. So completely flat, no vegetation, and, and there are no plans for remediation. And one of the big things that these communities lack is flat land that's good to be repurposed. So one of the things that we, we look at is how can we take these flat surfaces and breathe that life back into them? When reclamation is done properly, it's, it's a focus on the ecosystem. It's a focus on agriculture and things like that. But when it's not done properly, it's not balanced. The ecosystem lacks that balance. And there's not a lot that can be done from that point on. And I'll, I'll bring up Caleb here in a second to tell you a little bit more about his process and the high wall cruise process. But one of the most important aspects is honoring what that site has done for a community. In honoring those communities... We have to look at what that site has offered for a community. You know, everybody says all the time, coal's keeping the lights on. But that's not, that's not such a broad topic, right? So nationally speaking, sure, those resources have kept the lights on. But they've also kept the lights on for people in the community, kept food on their tables, kept clothes on their kids' backs. And it's important to honor that when you're doing what we're doing. One of the big things that we try to do is focus on the term legacy mine site. And what that means is we have to honor that legacy, honor that sacrifice. We have to look at why and how. My family, my I, you know, some of you know this, some of you don't. My uncle died of a Sago mine explosion. And those miners were trapped underground for several days, and he didn't come back out alive. That is not a unique story by any means, but it is a story worth telling. And that's why I stand here before you today to do what we do on these sites, because it's important and because it's something people care about. And, and not, just, uh, not just at a federal level, not just at a state level, but at a local level. 
more than one person in this room has a mining story. But that's what we have to do is connect the dots, tell the mining stories, honor the land and honor those people. And in doing so, we hope to be pioneers of Appalachia. And the type of work that we do requires pioneering, requires innovative reclamation to do things that nobody's done before and to consider what that looks like. And there's, there's pushback. There's pushback on that. And uh, it brings us to the point where we're at now, where we're starting to receive funding and we're designing projects and we're finding a great deal of success with these ventures. And why is that? Because these communities want to be resource communities in some way or another. They want to produce energy. They want to look forward to the future. And we at Coalfield, we empower them to do that. We work with them. And I know you guys hear Jacob talk about this all the time, but we're working on installing solar on a legacy mine site. And I think that's so exciting. It's, it's a way to honor the past and look towards the future. And we've grown our team. Uh, we've grown our team here recently. We've got Caleb Hanshaw. He's the new Associate Director of Reclamation and Remediation. Give him a round of applause, everybody. And come the first of the year, we're going to be restarting some of our efforts on a new site, 22 Mine Road. And it's, it's just to show how much of a blueprint and how impactful these efforts can be when done right and when done with care and working with people in the community. And so overall with our, with our BBB funds and, and through the help of our partners, we hope to do five of these sites to demonstrate on a broad scale that this is possible, that this is something to be excited about and this is something worth pursuing. So I'll turn it over, Caleb, if you wanna come up, he's gonna share with us what the team's been doing at High Wall and what we plan to do coming up here shortly. Thank you, what's up everybody? Anybody hungry? Yes. A little bit, okay. Well, High Wall is, uh, is doing really good. One of the biggest goals of this year, you know, we've worked with Adam too, I don't know where Adam's at. Just planning on what does it look like to take a site like this and grow food, right? We, we grazed animals. We brought back some of the wildlife that once was there and wasn't there. When we first got there, it was like a black and white movie. It was strange. When you're not used to, when you're used to hearing bees and seeing butterflies and hearing birds, you get kind of used to it. But when you go to a place where it's not there, you think like you're in a horror movie. So we go to these places that the ecosystem has just been brought to an unbalance that the wildlife couldn't survive there. So they leave. So this first phase that our crew has been working hard towards, we've brought back some of that balance. And I would say we're probably in phase two. We're ready to jump into how can we make not only this land come back alive again, but also make it productive to where it's not just an asset to the world, but more importantly to me, an asset to that community. How can they take pride about their history? You know, everybody's grandfather's a coal miner where we're from. That's a special story to tell around the dinner table. But how to how do we become a resource in this community where they can now see us as a resource? So we grew a lot of food this year. 
I think we had about a 90% success rate, which was crazy. I have a lot of conversations with people. You can never grow food on there. Never again. Come and look. Come and see. Right? Now, what we're moving towards now is how do we become sustainable? How does the farm feed the farm? All, all the feed for all the animals. How do we make this thing in a circular motion where we're not bringing in a lot of input? So that's what we're doing now. My role kind of changes to where how can we network with the community? How can we put processes in place to where this this farm will run itself and not cost us anything? Because we believe in permaculture. You've heard me talk about permaculture probably until you're sick of hearing about permaculture. But it's supposed to add to. Right. We're not taking away from from the ecosystem. We're not taking away from resource. We want to continually add to. Because when you follow these processes, you create abundance. We want Hawal to be a place of abundance. Not only can you bring your family here, uh, enjoy a tour, feed the sheep, get scared at the cows. We've, we've had a lot of tours. But you can also learn here. You can also, I guess, to get real sentimental, you can see that Mingo County, we can live here. We don't have to move away. So right, right now, if we were to look at, we have a school right across the road. We can be a resource now for this school. How many kids are going to that high school that, that want to learn about agriculture, that want this to be an option where they don't have to move away? So phase two is really exciting, but I want to honor phase one. I want to honor this group of, of guys that we, and, and refresh everyone that, that took part. All of you guys that helped plant trees, Liam, your tree's still going really, really strong. Thank you, Liam. But everybody that helped out, that supported, when you guys come up on that property and just, just the encouragement alone, like, man, this is amazing. We love being here. That does a lot for us. Because as Cassidy said, you're pioneering something. Pioneering is lonely sometimes. It's very, very hard. But I want to honor this group right here that really bought into the process of hard work, you know, how many things go wrong where you got to adapt and do something else. But uh, we're in phase two now, which is awesome. How can we be a resource to the community? And to not only do that with High Wall, but what have we learned here about reclamation that we can go ahead and go forward to a new site and really just start not just pioneer by ourselves, but start to see people catching on. Like, hey, we can actually do something with our land. Be proud of our land, Right. I'm done. I'm done, Gina. I'm done. Thank you, guys. After lunch, Ashley Stennett, communications coordinator, walked us through Coalfield's communications manual. Ashley stressed the importance of being on the same page and utilizing the communications manual as a tool. So basically, the purpose of the document, again, this is... We're not overly restricting what can and can't be said, but we're trying to get everyone on one accord. So we're placing a little bit of guardrails in this manual for everybody, but we also don't want to strip away the authenticity when you are explaining what we do as an organization, because obviously you're going to be out in the communities working. And when you are, you're a representative of this organization and you're going to get asked all the time. I'm sure, show of hands right now, who has been asked over the last 30 days, who do you work for and what do they do? 
Right. Exactly. Um, also, show of hands, and you can be totally honest, because when I first started, I'll raise my hand. Were you a little bit lost or confused on how to convey what we do? And I'll raise my hand. <laughs> when I got hired on as a comms coordinator, I'm like, first of all, I need to familiarize and really understand what it is we do. Uh, so for me, I had to really spend a lot of time with all the different programs. I mean, many of you all in here, I had to spend some time with really like learning, going to, going to work sites and, you know, just really getting embedded in the organization. And if you're able to do that, I would encourage that. I know not everybody can obviously do that. Time, work, schedules don't a lot for that. But that really helped me out tremendously. So, and I'm not going to read through this verbatim because, again, I emailed this out and we've only got 20 minutes. So I don't want to bore you to death like reading it page by page because uh, we just came back from lunch. And that's a great formula to completely phase out and, and zone out and nod off. I would be doing that. Yeah, I would be doing that. So, so on page three, uh, we provide a little bit of an overview, like what is the Coalfield story? So that would be a great place to start. When was it founded? Who founded it? What's the mission and vision of the organization? Why was it founded? What was it founded to do? And where was it even founded? What regions do we serve? When people say Central Appalachia, well, what is that? I mean, you know, can you explain to people, well, hey, this is the counties that we're in. Here's where we're not. Here's where we'd like to be. We then worked on creating our own unique elevator pitch about who Coalfield is and the work we do. After Ashley's presentation, we broke into groups for council hour, a time where we get together to discuss problems and potential solutions. After council hour, local rapper Shalom joined us for a great conversation about music and finding our voices. You may have seen Shalom in the most recent Tudor's Biscuit World commercial, where he raps about their breakfast raps. So I think I, I think I was always kind of drawn to music as a kid, and around 2005-ish, I started listening to hip hop specifically. So I was a huge fan of Ludacris. Uh, his Red Light District album is probably one, one of the first albums I listened to all the way through. Um, and then I was listening to a lot of T.I. and then eventually Lil Wayne and whatnot. And obviously, you can imagine, I feel like everybody at some point in time said they wanted to be a rapper. Right. But I just kind of stuck to it. Um, and at the same time. Like I said, I've always been into music. So when I was in fifth grade or whatever, we had to play the recorder and music class. And I actually enjoyed that so much that I decided to join the marching band and I played the clarinet because it's pretty much the same thing, just bigger. And I stayed in the, mar the, the marching band all through middle school and all through high school. Um, and I did not continue it in college because it didn't sound like fun anymore. But that was because I had started my own musical journey and I was enjoying having more control, you know, writing things I wanted to hear and also thought I was going to be rich and famous. So <laughs> kind of spent more of my time on that. Thank you for listening to CouncilCast, a monthly podcast from Coalfield Development. 
This series is hosted and produced by JJN Multimedia. Subscribe to Changing the Coalfields, a podcast by Coalfield Development on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a review. To support or learn more about our work creating resilient Appalachian communities and helping people unlock their full potential, power, and purpose, find us on social media or visit www.coalfield-development.org. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next month.